Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Like most things in life, marriages that are based in reality are much healthier and more likely to last than ones based on myths. And here are some of my favorite myths. Love is all you need. If you marry the right person, all of your problems will be solved. If you have any disagreements with your spouse, they aren't your soulmate. If you're with the right person, you will never hurt or be hurt by them. Your partner will complete, will complete you. And the one this show is based on, you will effortlessly live happily ever after just by getting married. Now, I do know that I titled the show Happily Ever After is just the beginning, and the reason for that is, is because getting married is the start of the journey, not the end of it. So if you really want to have a healthy and happy marriage, the first place that I recommend that you start is in reality. And to help with that, I'm joined by fellow marriage and family therapist and the director of the Marriage and Family Clinic in Denver, Erin Anderson. So, Erin, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what shouldn't be necessary to talk about, but I think it really is. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Leslie. I look forward to our conversation today. So, um, as people know, um, I'm a contributor for the Good Men Project, and you also contribute to the Good Men Project. And you took on this topic of marriage myths in a recent piece titled, Six Marriage Myths Debunked. And you say that a great marriage is a long-term process and that commitment, trust, and respect are key elements and that these things take effort. So let's jump right into the myth that you address. And the first myth that you talk about, a good marriage is based on finding Mr. or Ms. Right. So this kind of goes to that whole soulmate myth. So what actually is the truth here? I mean, is there really only one person for us and we're just out of luck if we don't happen to stumble across them? Well, I hope not, because um, <laughs> if there's only one right person and somebody else screws up and, and picks that person instead of us, then then we're out of luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, mm-hmm. I hope there's not one right person. Um, and, and with that, I've talked to lots of couples who are in their second marriage and even their third marriage, and mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, they look back at their, their first marriage and they say, it wasn't the wrong marriage. Uh, it was the right marriage at that time. And then, as of course, they, as they both grow and have experienced things, um, they still care about their, their partner and, or, or their ex, that is, and still have many good memories there. But they both just kind of went different directions and, and grew in different areas. So... Um, no, I don't think there's a, a Mr. or Miss Right for for one person out there. I think there are uh, many people that you're compatible with, and uh, the the secret, of course, is finding them and finding that compatibility. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's really interesting because I know, and and to me, this is where the falling in love and all of those. Um, the physiological aspect of love sometimes can lead us astray because somebody that we're actually strongly physically attracted to may not actually be a good fit, but we're in those throes of, 
you know, the oxytocin and the dopamine mm-hmm. and all the other stuff that goes on when we fall in love with somebody. And it can really um, blind us to somebody who's really not a good, a good long-term fit. So how does one work through that? Yeah, physical attraction is important, but it's only a small piece. And um, better yet is, uh, can I see this person on my journey is, is the question you need to ask yourself. Um, and, and you mentioned that earlier in the show here today that um, um, it's a long-term process. It's, it's, a, it's a process. It's not the end. Marriage isn't the end. It's only the beginning. Mm-hmm. And when people look at it that way, is this someone who I can see myself going through life's challenges with? Uh, is this someone who will be there um, for me when my parents pass away? And when uh, can I be there for them when their parents pass away? When we look mm-hmm. at our partner as somebody more um, along our journey with us, those are the better questions to ask yourself rather than are they Mr. or Mrs. Right? Um, because we recognize that that journey can wind and weave and, and can this person I, I'm interested in uh, wind and weave with me? That's the better question rather than just if they're Mr. or Miss Right. Um, uh-huh. I, I, usually that, that, that phrase, those, those terms that people use <laughs> about Mr. Right or Miss Right, um, really are just kind of selfish terms, actually. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, so what I found is, is it's really kind of more based on me and um, are they the right person for me instead of more of that long-term focus, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it definitely makes sense to me. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where – you know, and, and I think it's part of it, and it's why, one of the reasons why I do this show, is to try to explain what marriage is and what it isn't and how to go about it being successful. And the way we think about it is, is really important because if we have this, you know, you complete me concept, it's like, no, 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 you've got to be whole, you have to be pretty healthy in your own right, and, and somebody compliments you. They don't need to complete you. Together, the two of you, you to me, it goes to that whole thing, the, 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 sum is, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and that, to me, is what marriage is, is that, you know, it's, it's both of you together working towards, you know, an idea or a goal or you're on this journey, and it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Sometimes you're going to be in the middle of the wall, and you've got to try to keep the ship upright. Right, and it's a shared goal. That's what people Mm -hmm. miss, I think, most is that this isn't just my goal of what I see for my future, Um, and, yeah, Mr. Wright or Ms. Wright uh, has that same goal for my future. Um, It's a shared goal that we both share together, and, and, and that's a little more complicated probably than just mm-hmm. as it sounds. But the difference would be, for example, like um, uh, I want to live in the country and so does my partner. And so my mm-hmm. partner is on board with my goal to live in the country, right? Um, a shared goal is um, not just that we have the same goals in common for our future. A shared goal is more they're invested in me as much as I'm invested in them and their goal. And so Mm -hmm. those goals can change. Whether we end up in the country or not is really irrelevant. 
the, the point is that we can share goals and talk about shared goals as they change. Uh, people change over time, and I think that's something that most uh, couples, when they're dating, don't realize and, and mm-hmm. don't really give much thought to. And, and your partner should change, right? You don't want a 40-year-old spouse who still acts like they're 20. That, that would be mm-hmm. a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at your spouse with this recognition, or, or your potential spouse, that is, with this recognition that, they are going to change, and so am I. But mm-hmm. we still have the same shared goals in that I want my partner to accomplish their goals and they want me to accomplish mine, and, and we feel like we're flexible enough to allow for some of the ebb and the flow and the weave and the wind that goes on with life. Um, well, that's really what makes a, a relationship a marriage. Well, and that's really interesting because that leads directly into two other myths that I want to talk about, and I'm going to combine them because you have six, and and so I'm going to have to combine them just for time's sake. But these two myths are, one, arguing destroys the relationship, and the second myth is, and the goal of marriage is for both partners to get exactly what they want. So Mm -hmm. this is kind of like you're talking about with the goal, and, and those two myths seem at odds with each other because if I'm trying to get what I want and you're trying to get what you want, I would think arguments or at least disagreements are going to happen. So how do these – can you talk a little bit more about these two myths? Yeah, yeah well, and, and that's the myth, um, and that's the reason that it is a myth is because um, couples should argue. The, the, the belief that often comes with Mr. or Mrs. Wright is that um, – my partner gets it and they just understand we're so compatible that we don't even need to talk about oh, yes. what we like or yeah, it, it, the we don't need to talk about merit. it. Mm. Yeah. 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 And we're just so compatible and we're just so in tune with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we argue that threatens that belief that um, we aren't in tune and, and that we don't, have the same shared goals or, or things like that. And so that's why couples don't like to argue because it, it really threatens that belief. When you look at it like the what we talked about previously, that, that marriages wind and weave and ebb and flow and such, there should be arguing. There are going to be times where you disagree. You need to make that known, and your partner needs to make that known. As a marriage counselor, the couples I worry about the most are the couples that don't argue. Uh, couples that don't fight keep a lot of secrets. Or I'm going to argue that they actually have a good process of discussing their differences. <laughs> because okay. I, mean, I know that a lot of people don't like the concept of argue or conflict, and they see any kind of disagreement in, in those terms. So, so yes, they are going to av- avoid it at all costs, which, of course, I tell people you can't avoid it. You merely postpone it, and the longer you postpone it, the harder it's going to be to deal with and the more damage it's done. You're talking about those secrets, the things that, oh, well, I can't say this to my partner because it's going to upset them. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, my attitude is if you're saying it to your partner with the sole purpose of, of upsetting them, yes, stop and rethink that. But if you're sharing a truth and, oh, by the way, it, your partner isn't going to like it, that's a different 
aspect. And those kinds of things need to be said because so many people, if they do, they, they um, shut that down. And you and I know what kind of damage that does when we're not being honest about what we think, what we feel, what we want. Correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, partners uh, who do that uh, feel like their relationship is fake or they can't be themselves in their relationship. Um, they, they have to portray a picture of, of something, uh, either what their partner thinks their marriage looks, should look like or what they think them personally uh, their, their marriage should look like. But, yeah, um, they're, they're trying to portray a picture instead of what, what they actually feel and think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's hard to bring these things up. And, you know, and this is one of those things that I think that also get people in a little bit of trouble when they are in the throes of the being in love and seeing each other through rose-colored glasses. And, oh, there's, you know, and our friends are looking at us like, who are you looking at? Because that's not the person I'm seeing. But, um, <laughs> but we've got this absolute perfection and then when we start having you know that we get married and we start having some disagreements which are perfectly normal and we can't stay in that high euphoric state forever our bodies just won't let us do that we don't have the skills to actually deal with that so people just go oh i'm just going to stay quiet not realizing the, the damage that that's really doing Right, yeah, and they and they start to feel bulldozed over time because they can't talk about what they feel is important or what they want to talk about, and and it, it, that's not necessarily their spouse's fault all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes their spouse would be more than happy to talk about it, um, but it's their own anxiety that's keeping mm-hmm. them from bringing things up that need to be brought up, um, and they're worried about rocking the boat or, or upsetting their partner. And so mm-hmm. um, they, they just keep their mouth shut and, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. Well, it, and, and it just compounds over the years. I mean, I remember reading, it was a book by Gail Sheehy. It was called Sex of the Seasoned, Seasoned Woman, and it's got to be a, close to 20 years old now. And it was this idea that, you know, women – you know, would, would subsume their ideas, their thoughts, their wants and needs and desires to their husbands, then to their children, and then they'd hit their, you know, 40s and 50s, and it'll be like, well, you know, now it's my time, and I'm just going to throw a bomb into all of this. It's like, well, they always should have been included. And, you know, mm-hmm. but it's so hard when, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't know how to do it. And I was just talking with a, um, a couple this morning, and, you know, we get upset because um, we don't intend to harm our partners. We don't intend to upset our partners. And so there's the defensiveness of, well, I didn't mean to do it, so it didn't really happen. And it was the concept of the, the difference between what I intended and what the impact of my behavior is. And that's a, that, that's a minefield for many, many people. Yeah. That, that, that's one myth that kind of goes along with the myth we're talking about, about couples shouldn't argue. Uh, when, when, and, and often the, the um, understanding behind that is if we argue, it's because I'm hurting my spouse. Or if we argue, it hurts my spouse. And, mm-hmm. and couples are too shy, I feel. And, and, and when I say this, people often go to the extreme. And so this isn't what I'm meaning here. Right. Um, <laughs> People are too shy to hurt their spouse. And I don't mean like there should be aggression or mm-hmm. physical abuse, nothing like that. 
It's okay to say things that may hurt my spouse's feelings. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to. If, if you're trying to hurt your spouse's feelings, that's a whole other problem, and that's not yeah. okay. That, that, that right. needs to be addressed. But if I am saying what I think, what I like, what I feel, and, and that hurts my spouse's feelings, that's okay. We can talk mm-hmm. about that uh, in mm-hmm. a relationship that should be talked about. Um, what hurts your feelings, for example, when I say, I want to go to my parents' house this year for Christmas? Or, or mm-hmm. what is it that hurts your feelings when I say, I don't want sex tonight? Mm-hmm. That's okay for a couple to talk about it. And, and there's so much reluctancy because, again, it is this if we argue our relationship is bad mentality that keeps mm-hmm. us from, from addressing those kinds of matters. And, and um, uh, if we argue we're not compatible and if we argue we're not in love with each other, and all these, all mm-hmm. these myths that go around, unfortunately. And so, so right. couples need to be okay to talk about their feelings, even if it might upset the other one. I'm not doing it to upset them. That's yeah. another, that's another problem. But, mm-hmm. but when couples can, can, realize that, yeah, maybe I've changed a little bit and I don't like sex as much as I used to, or my partner has changed a little bit and they don't like sex as much as they used to. Uh And we can talk about it. We can find solutions. We can uh, come to understandings with each other. That's okay. It's okay for couples to disagree. It's okay for couples to fight. Right. And, And by the way, it is going to happen. And this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the harm buying into myths will do to your marriage with fellow marriage and family therapist, Erin Anderson. And these myths like things like never go to bed angry or your role is to make your partner happy are two more that will tie you and your marriage in knots. But if you're willing to learn how to have a really great marriage based on research and skills, I can help. So I'd like you to take a moment and get in touch with me to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me at by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com, or by telephone at 919 919- Nine two four zero four six three. Again, that's nine one nine nine two four zero four six three. So I want to get back to talking about the myths. And so two more myths that you talk about are the first: you can fill the gaps in each other's makeup, and the second one: pursuing your own individual needs is incompatible with a good marriage. So can you talk a little bit more about these? Yeah, certainly. So in regards to the filling the gaps in each other's makeup, um, we humans have faults. Uh, nobody's perfect, right? Uh, surprise, surprise. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> <laughs> and and when we are dating somebody, we see them, and, mm-hmm. and oftentimes we look at those and we say, one of two things. Um, yeah, I can be okay with that. Or two, I can help them with that. And uh-huh. both of those aren't okay. <laughs> um, okay. When you're trying, when you're trying to fill in the gaps for for your for your partner's makeup, right? Maybe they're uh-huh. a little bit 
lazy, they don't get out of bed in the mornings, or they don't make their bed, or they're always leaving mm-hmm. their coffee cup out, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you approach the marriage with this kind of um, savior approach, right? I can save them from mm-hmm. this this imperfection. I can save them from this from this fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, how condescending is that? Yeah. How de- mm-hmm. how how dehumanizing is that, right? Right. Um, and and so going into the, the marriage with that um, mentality, first of all, says says something that, that you don't want it to say about you. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, there's no magic button that you can push that will actually get them to wake up in the morning and and there's no lever you can pull that's going to get them to put their coffee cup away in the morning right and so Mm -hmm. there's just no physical mechanics that is actually going to fill on that you can do to fill in their makeup Um, and so so that's why that myth um, is a myth Uh it's just you can't do it even if you wanted to and if you wanted to that says something you don't want it to say well, and it actually frequently then turns one of you into the parent, which is like, okay, nobody wants to be having sex with their parents. So there's that whole dynamic, which is, which is really, you know, damaging. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I see that all the time on my couch where, where okay. they come in and, and the sex is bland or the sex is unfeeling or the sex isn't happening. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't happen because I don't want to have sex with, someone who's like my mom that's always telling me to put my coffee cup away or someone who's like my dad and is telling me to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, you don't want to have sex with someone like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> so what, no. About this, uh, what about this, the other myth that I, was, that I mentioned about pursuing your own individual needs is incompatible with a good marriage? Yeah, well, this goes a little bit with what we talked about before where um, – you got to recognize that, that you yourself uh, are going to change throughout the course of your marriage. Just the same as you don't want your 40-year-old spouse to still act like they're 20, uh, you don't want your 40-year-old self to still act like you're 20. And mm-hmm. so you have a personal journey that you're going on to, and, and you need that journey for your own self, your own makeup. Um, mm-hmm. you, just the same as you can't change your partner's makeup, your, your partner can't change your makeup. That's your job to do that. Mm-hmm. And so you should be pursuing your own individual needs. You are on a personal journey that goes along with your, your marital journey, right? And mm-hmm. your partner doesn't have a button they can push or a lever they can pull that's going to make you wake up in the morning either. That's your personal journey. So your personal needs as far as uh, your growth as a human absolutely should be focused on and does not make you incompatible as a reason. You, you should be doing that. Now, uh, if your personal needs are, I need a big house, I need to live in a condo in the city, um, you know, some of these more, uh, I would call them superficial things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably incompatible. And uh, mm-hmm. that's for other reasons, but, but uh, your own individual needs uh, are absolutely compatible. And if you're dating with that in mind, that, hey, this seems like a person who um, can be with me on my journey, 
And okay. I would love to be with them on their personal journey. And, and we can support each other and we can um, wiggle through the weaves and the winds with each other. That's how you know you found Mr. or Miss Wright. That's the new definition of a Mr. and Miss Wright. Right. And, and the way that I view marriage is that your marriage needs to be able to be expandable to encompass both of your individual needs and goals. I mean, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and was like, oh, it's a stool. It's three legs, you, your partner, and your marriage. And if you pull any one of those out, it's good, you're going to tip over. But you can't stop being you. Your partner can't stop being them. And so your marriage has to be able to absorb it. And I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the challenges of it is that, you know, I'm not walking through this world by myself. I've actually chosen to walk through with this other person, and therefore they need to be taken into account. <laughs> right, I, yeah. Or, or that stool falls know. over, it tips over. Right. And, you know, and I just think that we haven't done a really good job of helping people to understand how to do this. You know, that it's on some level easier to either subsume my needs to the, you know, to the, what I call the marriage blob or you subsume your needs to it, but that's eventually going to blow up. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, easier in the moment you know it's like it's like tying your kids shoes instead of teaching them to tie their shoes which in the moment it is faster but you don't want to be tying your kids shoes when they're 22 if you don't ever teach them to do it right yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let's let's take a look at the last myth because this one is really important and and i know that you see this and i see this every day that this idea that the myth that two people in a good marriage automatically grow closer with time. Because one of the most common complaints I hear is that a couple's living like roommates or they've grown apart, which, you know, every, you know, they're good people. There's nothing inherently wrong in the relationship. They've just lost touch with each other. So what do couples actually need to do? Yeah, couples need to continue to be mindful of their own growth and mindful of their partner's growth. Uh, what, what often happens is couples get distracted uh, mm-hmm. in their marriage. They, they get focused on kids, for example. That's a very, very common one that mm-hmm. I hear, and I'm sure you've heard uh, oh, yeah. times as well. They get focused on their kids, making sure their kids are getting to school, making sure their kids make it to the band recital, get into the college that they want to get. Uh, that they want to get into. Um, they get focused on their work or they get focused maybe on their own uh, families they grew up in, that their um, mom has um, a disability perhaps and, and needs to be attended to or something. So anyway, they, they get distracted often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and um, they think that's just part of marriage, and it is certain parts of it, mm-hmm. but they forget that that it's part of this journey that they are personally on and that it's only a, a part of their journey. And so they get over-focused on their kids, which is important and they do need to focus on it, but it's right. only a part. It's only, a, oh, it's only one part of themselves. They're, they're so much more encompassing. They're, they're a sexual being, they're um, an intellectual being. There's so many other parts of their being that they need to, to attend to. Um, 
And then, uh, two, they, they forget to uh, look at their partner who's also on their own journey and look at their partner mm-hmm. in a way that, that asks um, and is curious about how are they growing, how are they expanding, what ways are they different from how I knew them a year ago. Um, uh, maybe on a tangent here, but that's why date nights are so important. Just when you, mm-hmm. uh, just like when you went on a date, when you were first getting to know your, your partner or, or any partner that you've had, it is a get to know you and you're finding out what they like and what they don't like and um, where they've worked before and where they're working now. When you go on a date with your partner now, it's the exact same thing. You're, you're getting to know your partner in a new way. And it sounds funny because you live with each other and you go to bed with each other every night <laughs> talking about everything under the sun every day with them. But, but we, we don't pause to really ask, hey, uh, what's going on with you? What, what do you see in your career is next? Or um, what kind of sex do you like these days, right? We don't talk to our partners uh, in this way. Right, because there's an assumption that we know each other. I mean, it's funny, and I, and I said this before on the show, my husband and I have been together for over 35 years, and every so often he'll say something, and it's like, who are you? Where did that come from? I mean, you know, after 35 years, we can still surprise each other because we're, as you said, as we've talked about before, we're not the same people that we were when we met 35 years ago. We have different thoughts. We, have, we, we still have different experiences, COVID notwithstanding. We're not joined together at the hip. I mean, we, we go out and do things, and we have these experiences, and we come back and we share them. And, you know, this idea that just because I live with you, I know everything about you, and, oh, by the way, it's not changed in the last 20 years, is, you know, I think it's where, you know, people, people get off course, as you're saying, because all these other things take priority, and, you know, maintaining a marriage takes time and energy and attention. And, and, and it's beautiful. It, it, mm-hmm. People look for that Mr. or Mrs. Right because they want that effortless marriage. They want it to just <laughs> click and, and everything just gets along. But, but when you look at it the way that you've described it here with, with, with you and your marriage, um, it's beautiful, right? Um, my partner has changed, and they're a great person still. And mm-hmm. they used to like these kinds of books, and now they like this other kind of books. And, or maybe they had this kind of political persuasion, and now they feel more along this line. And, mm-hmm. and I am with my partner on that journey, um, and it's beautiful. And I can hear it. That, that's the other thing that, that makes couples grow apart is that mm-hmm. there is this um, perception, there is this kind of unspoken rule, even almost, that um, they can't change. I married them for who they are, so uh-huh. if they do change their political persuasion or if they do change about how they feel about living in the city or living in the country, mm-hmm. uh, somehow they've, they've broken their end of the bargain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... Um, they don't automatically grow closer over time unless they are talking to each other about those changes and Mm -hmm. they're appreciating. More importantly, they're appreciating their changes that their spouse is making in their life journey. Right. And and as I've said in the show before, because you mentioned this before and you mentioned date night, and it's one of the things that couples, you know, it's, 
It's a time for couples to be together as a couple. And I always tell people, I said, one, you don't even have to leave your house to have date night. That's, that's not essential. And, um, and my rule of thumb for my clients is date night serves two purposes. Having fun together, doing something fun, and, and talking with each other. You, you know, ha- it, so, so to me, going out to a movie together is fine as long as you talk about it afterwards. And mm-hmm, by the way, mm-hmm. and, if you, and if you go to dinner with each other, please don't discuss the kids, the things wrong with your relationship. You know, it's like, that's not the point. It's like, oh, yeah, please. Let's go, let's go dissect our relationship on date night. Oh, my God, shoot me now. <laughs> you know. But this is what people do with it as opposed to, you know, no, it's a time for you guys to connect as adult couple, not just mom and dad, you know. Um, and the push, I don't know if you get pushback on that, but I get it ton of pushback on well there's no time or there's no money it's like you don't even have to leave your house (laughs) although the kids do have to be someplace else (laughs) oh yeah yeah you can't have the kid and and just the same as if you stay at home you can't have your kids in the same room Uh, if you decide to go out with your spouse you can't have the kids in the same room um, figuratively right right? you can't be talking about your kids Um, otherwise it may as well may as well be in the same room yeah, couples do give a lot of pushback on that, and and again, it's because I I see anyway, and, and uh, I'd love to hear what your experience is with that. What I see with couples is that uh, they don't like doing the date nights really because it's just an extension of the same stuff they do at home. Uh, they do yeah. the calendaring for the kids, who's picking them up for band camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, by the way, um, your cousin wants us to come visit over the summer, and mm-hmm. and it's just an extension of the same mundane every day that they talk about at home. So why right. would we spend money to go out and do it? Well, exactly. And that's, and that's why I told people, I said, one aspect of this is you are having fun. You are doing something. So whether it's taking a hike or trying a new restaurant, when we can actually get back to doing that, or you know, something, you know, or, or playing a card game, I mean, you know, something where you know, you're having a good time together because one of the things that we know is that doing something new with your partner releases some of those same um, neurotransmitters and hormones that, that you had going when you were in love. And so if you want to maintain that, this, you know, and again, you know, I know it's tough. I've raised two kids. You know, my, my son used to get really upset because he had this favorite restaurant. And, you know, my husband and I would be going out for our date night, and, and we would go to that restaurant, and he'd pout. And we go, yes, we're going to that restaurant, and you're not. You know, <laughs> we, you know like, you know, he, would, yeah. you know, he wasn't happy about it. But, but right. you know, it, it, it's something that if you do want to maintain this, and, you know, it's, you know, I think you said earlier about, you know, people have this idea that marriage should be effortless. And I do think that it can be less, definitely less onerous, less problematic if you, if you understand what makes it work and you put some of these things in place from the very beginning to say, you know, oh, we are going to make, make time to still be together as a couple. Um, we are still going to make time if people want, you know, obviously depending on what the two people are interested in you know we we will make time to be intimate in all the meanings of that word 
um, and then it and and then it it isn't as as difficult as trying to rebuild it when you know you feel like you've lost touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and when when couples can um, come into their marriage with that idea or with that belief that that we are going to change over time. We want to get to know each other more. The, the marriage is the beginning, not the end, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Just as you've been saying. Um, and this is the beginning of us getting to know each other better. Um, over 60 years, there's going if you're married for 60 years or, or six, the rest of the 60 years of your life, um, uh-huh. we are going to change in ways that, that I can't even tell right now, but I want to be with my partner as we do it. That's mm-hmm. the mentality that the couples really need to have with each other. And that's going to take effort. And when we, and, and when they recognize that that does take effort, but they're on board for the journey, it's not going to be so onerous for them, right? It, it's going to be something that they welcome and they are mm-hmm. even excited about when their partner comes to them and says, Hey, you know what? Um, I think I'm leaning this way and this political mm-hmm. persuasion. And then you're, then you get to say, Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Tell what makes you think yeah. that? What makes you feel that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Aaron, thank you so much for this conversation uh, because I think it's really, you know, again, it's, it's critically important that people know how, know what it's actually about that it's, you know, marriage isn't this great black box. <laughs> Um, that, there's, that there's no information about We've got lots of information about it. And so, Erin, can you share where they can find some more information from you? Because I know that, I mean, as I said, I know you write for the Good Men Project and you, and you do some other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the best way to get a hold of me would be through my clinic, uh, themarriageandfamilyclinic.com. Uh, I am the director there. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and our Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, those are all linked to from our website, themarriageandfamilyclinic.com, and we give daily tips, we give uh, insights, we give relationship remedies, uh, all through our website, themarriageandfamilyclinic.com. Terrific. So what I want you guys to know is that love is a necessary but not sufficient quality for a lasting marriage. No one has to take a healthy relationship course in school, so myths can take hold and really create havoc for your marriage. But real information about what makes relationships work is out there, and you've gotten some of that today. So my question is, what would inspire you to seek it out more often? And hopefully one of those things you'll do is continue to listen to the show. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.